0: Let's give those kids a cheer as they go out. Come on, see y'all. <laughs> Timo's great, isn't he? Didn't you just love his accent? I just love listening to Timo. We have a whole group of Spanish-speaking uh, cell group, and kind of a mini service, and people here listening in Spanish, and it's just a great honor. We just want to welcome you. We love you all. We bless you. So uh, I know it'll take a minute to get to you, but that's all right. <laughs> we love you all. So, good morning. How are you doing? Good? How are we doing right now? Are You good? It's spring, new time. Life's kind of a new moment, isn't it? If you were here last week, we had a really good moment as a church. Our uh, founding pastors, Terry and Denise Page, were here, and they put the whole team up here and talked about how they're going to be moving aside, and the team, and my wife and I are going to be leading the team, we're going to be running the church, and it was a really special moment, and I just want to thank you all for honoring that moment. It's we had, a, we had a little plan of what we thought was going to happen, and it turned into much a much bigger moment, but it was a special moment. It wasn't a, kind of a really special moment for our church, and just really appreciate everyone uh, hanging with us in that, but this is a really cool place, Mercy Church, isn't it? I love you being here. We want to welcome you. We're glad that you're here because God's doing a lot of great things here, and sometimes we don't get to see it all on Sundays, but we actually have clubs that meet on the high school campuses, which is phenomenal, uh, uh, Vic and... And Xavier Santana have been leading that along with a couple of the other people. The team have been a part of that. It's a really great ministry that's going on. We have our GLOW evening service that we have on Sunday, our young adult service that's happening in the afternoons at 4 p.m. on Sundays. It's a really special time. How many of you guys have been going to that? It's been really cool, hasn't it? Oh, come on. I know you want to cheer louder than that. It's been cool, huh? Glow is really awesome. I've been going a couple of times. It's really special to be there. I kind of go try to hide in the back, and just you know, be like a dad. I just want to be a dad. My kids are there, and it's a really special time. But God is moving right now, and sometimes we can forget that, can't we? We can think, "Oh my gosh, the world is crazy." Oh my gosh, the world is crazy. How many of you guys think that? You know, just occasionally last week, right? But uh, God is moving right now. People are hungry. They're they're actually desperate, to be honest. People are really desperate for God right now. Have you been desperate for God right now? I've been desperate for God. Anyone else? And uh, the world, our world, our, our piece of the world, right? Santa Maria, the Central Coast, here in California. There are a lot of people saying, flee California, right? Flee Santa Maria. Get out while you can. How many of you have felt that or heard that from people, right? But you know what? There's, there's a people who are here who want God, who want Jesus here on the Central Coast, aren't there? How about you? Do you want to see Jesus happen here? You want to see the power and the kingdom of God happen here? You want to see God move here, right? So we're here because we believe, right? (laughs) We believe that God wants to transform us and transform others and transform our region. And that's what this church is about. You know, This church isn't about any one thing or this or that. It's about wanting to see God move throughout the Central Coast. And we want to just ask you all to come and be a part of it. You know, whoever wants to be a part of what God's doing here, let's go do it together, right? And Easter, I think, is a good opportunity because there are a lot of people who are willing to come to church on Easter who maybe wouldn't be willing other times. So please invite your friends, invite your family. What did Timo say? Invite, invite people you know, who don't even like you, right, or something like that, right? We want to just welcome people into Jesus. But, you know, I just want to encourage you as we're inviting, because it is a time where we invite people, that we're not just inviting them to church, Can I just say that before we preach right now? It's like, we're not just inviting people to church. And I want to just plant that into our minds. We're inviting people to Jesus. We're inviting people to find God. And that is absolutely the number one most important thing. Now, we know if they come here, we're going to love them. We're going to bless them. We're going to help them to find Jesus. This is our home and our family, and we want to do that here, right? But let's just make sure and invite people into knowing Jesus. Can we do that? Does that make sense? You get the difference? You know, we really want people's lives and families impacted, and it's a really powerful thing to be a part of that. And what we want to say is that everyone's on the team, so raise your hand and say, I'm on the team. What team? Team Jesus, right? Say, Team Jesus, I'm on the team. You ever wanted to be on a team? Maybe you were picked last. Were you ever the person who was like, all right, we'll take them, we'll take them, we'll take them, and it was like, oh, we'll take them, right? You know, <laughs> That's no fun. But uh, you are on God's team because he's picked you, right? And uh, Jesus wants you to be part of his team. Isn't that encouraging? So turn to the person next to you, give him a fist bump, and say, Team Jesus, let's go. <laughs> in March, we've been in a series called Jesus is the Way. Has it been cool? I think it's been special. It's impacted me. Jesus is the Way. Said out loud Jesus is the Way. And what we've been talking about is Jesus relevant to our culture? Is he relevant to our lives? Is he relevant to our families? Because the world around us is trying to tell us that Jesus is not relevant, right? And we've got to understand that Jesus is not just relevant, but he is powerful and dynamic and has the answers, and in fact, he is the way. And we've been looking at that throughout the month. It's been a really cool series. I've enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you you have. I don't know. I have enjoyed it. And uh, it's a really special thing to think about that Jesus is the way because we need to choose to live the life, to live our lives like Jesus lived, and lifestyle christianity is a phrase we use we want to live the lifestyles of being a christian it's not just about you know adhering to some creed or what you just what you think what you think has to become what you do right it has to be how you live your life has to become about what you believe can't just stay on the inside but it's got to come out and and start working its its way out into the family around you and your neighbors and your coworkers, workers even, even people who you don't like, that God can work on the inside out. And uh, we always like to see in America, we always love to believe that we're going to change from the outside in. Has anyone ever tried that? And it does not work. <laughs> you have to change from the inside out. And God wants to change us from the inside out. And that's a really special time. So this is the last message in the, in the Jesus is the Way series, and it's called A Family That Serves God. Let's say that out loud. A family that serves God. We're going to talk about how as a family, not just as a person, but as a people. And we often think of family as just being, you know, me and her and our one. But family is more than that, isn't it? Family is your community. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you have roommates. Maybe you have a community around you. That is your family, isn't it? And so we want to think about being a family or being a people group. I just hate, that sounds so impersonal. A family, right? A family that serves God together. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 says this, it says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. I love that word, that's a big word. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And I think there's kind of a a stance taken in that scripture, isn't there? Excuse me, it's like, all right, serve the Lord wholeheartedly. But if you're not going to, who are you going to serve? right? Who are you going to choose to serve? Because you're going to serve somebody. Even Bob Dylan wrote a song like, you're going to serve somebody, right? Maybe the devil, maybe the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody, right? It's an old song, but it, it's, it's a reality in the life that we live is that we're going to serve something. We're going to serve some kind of thinking or some kind of lifestyle. Our life will be about something, right? It will be about what we commit ourselves to. And as a family or as a people, as a group of friends, you have to decide. And I think that scripture is sort of like throwing the gauntlet down in front of us, saying if you're not going to serve the Lord, then make a decision. Make a decision who you are going to serve. And that happens in tough times. You have to make a decision when things are a little bit tough. You have to make a choice. You call them make-or-break moments. Has anyone ever heard that kind of phrase? In order to have strong relationships, you have to have make-or-break moments. And I feel like our world, our culture... And our families are in a make-or-break moment right now, right now. And we're being asked, okay, if you're not going to serve the Lord, who are you going to serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there's a little bit of a, like a... I don't even know what word to use, but there's kind of a, 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 a thing in there, isn't it? That says, okay, if you're not going to serve God, who are you going to choose to serve? But, but for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And I want to encourage you to think about that for your family, for your friends, is to help make a decision, a choice, right? Who are you gonna serve? We're gonna serve the Lord. See, that has to be an answer, right? There's a point at which you have to have an answer for something, a strong answer. Because the culture that you live in has strong statements right now, it has very in your face, and they will and I think our reaction can be to just be quiet a little bit. We can be like, ooh, this is a little. (laughs) This is a little intense. Has anyone ever felt that? This is a little intense. I think I was just going to delete Instagram, right? It's a little too much, and it is a little too much because there are strong statements being thrown around. And even amongst family members, I mean, you know, I don't want to create an argument here, but you, you just talk, bring up a word like vaccines, and you will get people just like, ah, you know, different sides of the arguments going, to, that used to just be like, What? Right, it's the, it's the argument, and I'm not going to take a side, so don't worry, I'm not going to go there. But it's the argument that I'm interested in. It's it's the the division that happens between people when we have an opposing opinion that I think I think is where God wants to start playing and start to be involved and. That's what I feel is happening here is that we have to make a decision, right? Whatever you believe on this or that or this or that or where we're going, I and mean, we're a very multicultural church. I'm sure we could pick a fight with somebody, but we're not going to do that because we only care about Jesus, right? We want to see Jesus in everybody, in everybody's, every person's, every group's, every types of people, right? And uh, it's important that we learn how to fear the Lord, it says, right, and to serve him wholeheartedly. Right? Is that a piece? Is that a small? Is that a small piece? A big piece? See, in our culture, we say, "Hey, you serve God most heartedly," right? Or you serve God part heartedly, (laughs) or you serve. And people go, "Wow!" You know, and we we feel that, don't we? We feel like you should be saying, "Wow!" Because I at least serve God part heartedly. But God is asking us if we're willing to serve Him. What is the word? Wholeheartedly. And especially not just as a person, but as a people, as a family. And I think it's a challenge. I think it's a big challenge to raise a family now in this time or to be a family or to be a group of friends who are going to fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. And there, there, there's a, there's like a a, a, a why. There's like this overarching why. Why would you want to do that, right? Why wouldn't you just want to... Do what you need to do on Sunday and then go do whatever you want to do the rest of the week is the way the culture plays the game. And God wants to challenge us to make a statement say, for me and my family, for me and my family, come on, let's say it, for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's powerful, isn't it? So let me ask you a question just to, just to help you think about it. What is the most popular topic with your family and friends? I just want you to think about that. What's What's the thing you're known by? Or what's the thing that, if you talk about it, everyone jumps into the conversation? Right? It's probably not Jesus. <laughs> At least amongst your coworkers. If you say the name, hey, let's see what Jesus thinks about this, a lot of times you get people kind of go like, oop, Right? Okay, so for from, from my family, we're a soccer family. Is anyone else soccer, soccer people? I know I know who you all are, (laughs) because we found each other. (laughs) We're a soccer family. I just wrote down kind of a list here of some of the things that we do. All of my kids, we have four kids, and my wife and myself, we all played soccer or are playing soccer currently, right? Even as adults, right? My daughter and I referee together. My oldest daughter, we are referees. Oh yeah, we're we're so into soccer. We learn the rules about soccer, and there are people who don't even know those rules. My, my two boys play club soccer, which means they travel all over California playing soccer. What? That's crazy, right? My youngest daughter, daughter is on the still All-Star team this two years, right? She's an All-Star. That's really great. She's nine, about turn ten. My wife is a Manchester United fan, and the rest of us are Manchester City fans, <laughs> which if you know anything about soccer means we have very interesting days. We watch... Premier League, FA Cup, Champions League, World Cup. We love watching soccer. Right? It's a big thing in our house. And if you start bringing up soccer, you start bringing up anything about soccer, my family will jump in with an opinion because we love it. Don't we? Yes. <laughs> my son's a yo yeah. But in the midst of all that, how do you love something but not worship it? It's been a big challenge for us to learn. It's, you know, there's times where it's like we, we have places to be, we have stuff stuff to do and you know church and God and all that can kind of get in the way of what we want to do at times right and that's very natural in the culture especially if you're a soccer family and you're around other soccer families and we're like no we can't go to that why oh because we're going to church it's like no (laughs) you cannot believe that God or church especially church people wouldn't say God but they would definitely say church is not more important than soccer, right? Anyone else has those kind of hobbies? Does anyone else have those kinds of things that people say to you? Like, you cannot let church get in the way of what you've committed to. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? Sports, baseball, I mean, all of it. I played all sports when I was young. So as a family, we've had to make some decisions, right? That the focus of our home is not going to be sports. The focus... And the, the primary value, right? Now, does that mean that God doesn't care about sports, doesn't care about what you do? No, of course not. He loves it. I think, you know, God created us to do stuff and have fun. And what was it Tim asked us? Who likes to party, right? We're going to party on Easter. We're going to celebrate, right? Easter is not a time to sit down and be like, oh, Jesus died. It's time to be like, Jesus died and resurrected. Let's go party. We're going to have a good time. And we need to, you know, you should see seen us at the World Cup when uh, it was, uh, 10 o'clock, and Argentina was still playing, and we were like, oh, we got to turn it off because God's more important. (laughs) But what is the primary focus of your family, of your home, of your life? What is the thing that if someone said to you, you got to give it all up except for one thing, what is it that you're willing to let go of or to boil yourself down and be like, this is the most important thing? the most important thing. And as a home, as a family, we've had to make a decision that our primary focus was not going to be about sports or soccer or about activities, or hobbies. But as a primary focus, a number one, right? Primary means most important. Is going to be about God. It's going to be about serving the Lord together as a family. And then we fight for that at everything that's been trying to, that tries to tear it away from us because it does. We fight for that with all that we have, and it takes a great effort and a hard work, but you cannot let hobbies or fun or things that God's given to us to enjoy to get in the way of the creator who created us to enjoy it, right? He's got to become the primary focus, and so this message is really about how do you make sure, how do you make sure that Jesus is the priority of your life and your family? Do you want to do that? Do you want to make sure that he stays the priority? Micah chapter 6, verse 8 is going to be, we're going to look at this scripture together. It says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me read that again. No, people, the Lord has told you what is good. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires. Requires is an interesting word there, right? He requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And what we want to talk about today is about spiritual laws. Say it with me, a spiritual law. Say that word, spiritual law. If I pick something up and I let go of it, is it going to float or is it going to fall? It's going to fall because there's a law of gravity, right, that's going to pull it down, right? If I hit you, I'm not going to hit you, but if I did, it would hurt because there's a law of force, right, that comes into play, and there are spiritual laws, so if you try to fight against the law of gravity every morning when you don't want to get up and out of bed, and you're fighting against the law of gravity, right, you're having to pull yourself up and work against something that's trying to pull you down, right, you got to stand up on those feet, you got to creak and pop and do all the things to stand up and say, I'm up, and everything wants to pull you back down, right, (laughs) right? That pillow is saying, come on, lay back down. You have to, you have to learn how to work with and, f- and work with the laws that are around you in nature, right? And that's how you can get on an airplane and you can go up in this huge thing of metal that you can't even lift. You can go up because there are laws that if you learn how to use them right, right, you can survive against the law of gravity even, right? But you have to learn how to use those laws properly. You guys get it, right? You've all been in school, some. you learn learned that there's laws of nature. Well, there's also spiritual laws. There are laws in the Spirit that if you don't learn how to work in the Spirit, then you'll fight against it and you'll feel that impact or it will always drag you back down. And learning how to work within the laws of the Spirit helps you thrive as a people and helps you thrive as a family and make sure that you're living in the priorities that God has set. And this is what God's putting in front of us in the scripture, right? And we're going to look at these. We're going to look at a couple of things that are, that are pointed out to us here about how to live in this. But first of all, you got to understand that laws are not suggestions. Say it's not suggestions. <laughs> so when the Lord says that he requires something from you, That's not a suggestion. That's not like a, hey, if you want to. That's if you are going to live in the right kind of spirit with God, you've got to learn how to understand how to live in God's laws, how to live in spiritual laws. It's something that will happen, whether or not you want it to. It's something that will be active, either in the positive or in the negative. And your family can get caught in that at times. You can get caught in living in What is pulling you back and not knowing how to get out of the grip of gravity, right? Instead of learning that God's given us all the great things we can learn. God has the answers. Jesus is the way, right? Jesus is the way and he has the answers for us to learn how to fly and how to live in ease, right? How to live working against those laws or, or with the laws, if you will, right? To, to see how we're going to fly into, in the spirit and to live in the right way. And our family can learn that. And above all, in the midst of it, I want to say there is grace. Grace is a law. And grace means that you're trying as hard as you can. God has grace for the times that we fail. He will not punish us, right? Grace means that God is not punishing us for our failures any longer. Under Jesus, he shed his blood. He died on the cross so that we would not be punished, right? But that doesn't mean that we still don't have things to learn, to learn how to walk with God in the right way. You guys tracking with me so far? Did I lose you with the science? Sorry, I'm an engineer. I've got a little science brain. Did I lose you with the science too early on Sunday morning? you guys tracking with me? we good? Okay, all right. So the the first thing that it says in the Scripture in Micah is it says to do what is right. Let's say that out loud. Say do what is right. This is what the Lord requires of you to do what is right. And I think sometimes we really fight against that law at times because what we want to do is we want to do what we think is right instead of doing what God says is right. You know, I, I used to watch these little videos about these people who would um, go out on the streets and ask people questions, and they would always ask this question. They would, see, they would say, how many beers can you name off the top of your head? You know, my family would be, how many soccer teams can you name off the top of your head? Right? How many football teams could you name off the top of your head? Right? Quite a few? All of them? <laughs> how many of the Ten Commandments could you name off the top of your head? Could you stand up and recite the Ten Commandments and talk? These are God's ten laws to do what is right, and I know what they all mean and how they play out in my life. Or would that be more of a challenge? I'm not going to get you to do it. I'm just going to ask you the question, right? For a lot of people in this world, we know the sports and we know the the, the names of the beers and we know the restaurants in town, but but to know what God's, even just the Ten Commandments, which is, I think is one of the most simple ways that God actually laid out ten things for us and named them, one, two, three, four, five, 6, seven, and ten, right? As opposed to a lot of the Bible, we have to kind of search and find throughout what God's speaking to us. But yeah, He actually just gave us Ten Commandments. That's really important for us to learn those. How many of you think that, hey, that just might be a good starting place to learn for my family? Maybe we need to learn what the Ten Commandments are. That would be a good place to start, right? What about you as friends? What if you said, you know what, as friends, we're going to learn what the Ten Commandments are. We're going to follow those while we go out and celebrate our team winning. That would be a challenge for a lot of friend groups, right? Because a lot of times we just go, I don't care. I want to celebrate. But learning God's laws, doing what is right, has a value in the spirit. And a value in the Spirit is a law of the Spirit that works in your life. When you learn how to follow God's laws and to do what is right, it produces righteousness in you. And if you want righteousness in your family, you have to allow the laws of God to produce righteousness in you. And the way that happens is through obedience. It's through obeying God's law. You have to do what is right in order to see the result of doing what is right. And we can fight against that as people a lot of times, right? We can be like, God, how come this and how come that and how come this and how come that? And God's like, I laid it all out for you. Do what is right and you will have what is right. And we're like, but I just want it easy. And sometimes we come to church and we pray and we're like, God, sorry, this, this, is, how I, this is how I think of it when I pray this way. Is I, th- I feel like I'm going like, God, wave your magic wand and just make it all right. Has anyone ever prayed prayers like that? God, would you just make it Right. Just come in power and make it right. And I I feel like whenever I pray that, God just kind of stands in front of me and just goes, if you do what is right, you get the right things. And as a family, as a family, when you do what is right together, you get the right things that come from it. It is a spiritual law. When you do the wrong things together as a family, you get the results. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you work in the Spirit in what is right, you get the results of what is right. And if we together, if that's all we ever did was just learning to work in what is right, it would be a great beginning. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to think about learning God's law, learning what is right from God's eyes, learning what is right in the spirit, and begin to act in the right ways, begin to do the right things, begin to make it popular in your home. Hey, it's pop, instead of, you know, it's like, you don't lie. Why? Because I'm going to smack you if you do. It's like, you don't lie because it's God's law, and we are not going to break the Ten Commandments. It's one of the Ten Commandments, by the way, right? We're going to do that together. We're going to learn as a family. Now, as a parent, that means you got to not lie, too. (laughs) that's a challenge. (laughs) You'll learn it. You'll figure it. You'll find a way. But you have to be willing to model obedience. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And if we're talking about family, if we're talking about a community, we're talking about being a part of the people of God. We are called children of God when we are led By the Spirit of God, that is what God's family is about—is being led by the Spirit. And when you are led by your emotions, or you are led by whatever you feel like you want to do, because I feel like I want to do it, right? Then you are going to be led in a certain way. But when you are led by the Spirit of God, then you are children of God, led in God's family. That's a good place to start. Say it with me: Do what is right. Number two is remember we're reading in Micah chapter six. It says. This is what the Lord requires of you, to do what is right and to love mercy. Say, love mercy. It doesn't mean love mercy, church, although you should. No, you should love mercy, church. <laughs> it means love mercy and grace and love loving, right? Love being in love. Love being merciful. Love being gracious to each other. As a family, you will not survive long if you don't have mercy and grace for each other. You have to learn how to just be in love with being gracious with each other and having mercy for each other. I was teasing my son the other day. He was giving me a hard time, and I said, I said, being meek is knowing that you could kill someone and not doing it. (laughs) And he was like, we were just joking. We were joking like that. It was love. Don't worry. I wasn't really going to kill him. But just love and mercy and, and enjoying each other. A lot of times our families are the place that we forget how to just have mercy and grace and love. My wife and I were talking about it yesterday. We just like we just want to be in love with being in love, you know. Just let's just be in love with being in love. Why does it have to go past that? Can't we just be in love and just love being in love? Why does it have to be because or this or what happened and this that and do? It's like let's have mercy and grace. Now there are things that take time. I'm not trying to make light of things that take time to work through, and you have to work through stuff that happens, absolutely. But there's some motivation in it, right, of wanting to see mercy. And wanting to see grace. A lot of us prefer judgment over mercy. And I want to challenge you to think about that if that's you. Because I notice that. It's very quick in our culture. It's a very popular thing amongst our friends and our family at times to prefer judgment. Oh, you should give it to them. Oh, they deserve it. Right? If you talk to a coworker or a friend, you go, guess what happened? They're not going to be like, oh, you're going to be so merciful, right? No, they're going to be like, you should give it to them. Right? You should make them pay. And they'll cheer you on about it, won't they? They'll be like, yeah, you made them pay. Ha ha. Right? Am I right? <laughs> How many of you have ever been the friend who did that to a friend? <laughs> yeah, make them pay. <laughs> it's so much fun in our culture and so popular to really be judging, right? And to say those snarky comments on, on the internet. <laughs> I told them. And then, the, you know, they said what? Oh, I'm going to say it back, right? We get caught up in this thing, don't we? Don't we? Maybe I live in a different world you guys live in. Do you guys live in the same world that I live in? Is that the world we live in? Are we, feeling, are we just feeling bad because we're the ones doing it? <laughs> we're all the same. Raise your hand and look around at each other raising your hand and say, we're all the same. Hey, we're in the right room. Look at the person next to you. Hey, I'm in the right room. Are you? <laughs> Let's not be in love with judgment, especially in our families, especially with people close to us, right? Let's let God be the judge and us be the mercy. Let's us be the love and the grace and love each other. Love each other in spite or because of or in the midst of all of our weirdnesses because we're all weird in ways. You got to know that, right? If you don't know that, you've never been married. Lamentations chapter 3 says, in verse 19, it says, The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And a good place to start is let mercy be fresh every morning. Sometimes you just got to get up a little earlier before everyone else and say, God, your mercies are new this morning. And right now, I renew my mercy and my grace this morning. Instead of renewing your judgment every day, renew your mercy. The way that God renews his mercy for you, every moment of the day, every moment of the day, God renews it for you. Can you do the same for your family? Can you do the same for your parents? Can you do the same for your siblings? cousins, your friends, can you do the same for yourself? Can your mercies be new every morning, renewed and renewed every morning? And I think this scripture is really interesting. It says, my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. And I think what happens when we have judgment is we become homeless. We live in a family, but we're all homeless people living together. It's like there's no home here. It's just a bunch of people who are homeless together. Instead of becoming a home, that's built around mercy and love and grace. And I want to encourage you to build a home together that's built around mercy and love and grace and hope. Right? That's what it says, my hope is, I dared to hope. Don't you love that phrase? I dared to hope. And I want to challenge you to be daring to hope in the mercy and the love of God, in the mercy and the love of what God can do in your family, because his faithful love never ends. Amen? And number three, the third thing in in Micah chapter six, it says, walk humbly with your God. Let's say that one out loud. Walk humbly with your God. How you choose to walk before God will determine what your family looks like. How you choose to walk with God will determine what your family looks like. All right, I I had this experience. We were in Colombia on our five-year wedding anniversary. Do you remember this? I was just thinking about this the other day. And uh, we ended up, we were with our, our founding pastors, His Page, and they were visiting the pastors of this really large church in Colombia, and um, we were sitting, we went all to, out to have dinner, and I ended up sitting right next to this like mega, super, amazing, spiritual pastor called Pastor Cesar Castellanos from the church, MCI Church in, in, uh, in Colombia, in Bogota, Colombia. I'm talking about not Colombia, America, Colombia, South America, right? Didn't speak English, I don't speak Spanish. I understand a little bit. And uh, they found out that it was our five-year wedding anniversary. And all of a sudden, he scooted his chair back and just gave me like a 10-minute sermon about how to love my wife. And it was a really great sermon. And I only remember part of it. But it was being translated for me. And the thing that stuck out to me the most was he said this. He He said, you treat your wife or you treat your spouse, you treat your spouse like you treat the Holy Spirit. And you treat the Holy Spirit like you treat your spouse. And that just stuck with me. And, I, and he said, that's a sign to you about how you treat God and how you treat your spouse, is the way you treat the Holy Spirit. And I've been thinking about that ever since then. We married, twenty. this is our 21st year, we married 20 years, so. That was 15 years ago, right, over 15 years ago. And I've just been thinking about that so often, is how I treat God is a reflection of how I treat my spouse, and how I treat my spouse is a reflection of how I treat God. And if you're not married, that's okay. You know, you can kind of get the concept, right? How you treat people who are close to you is how you treat God, right? And if you treat them really, really well, and you love them, and you care for them, and you watch out for them, and you're looking for them, and you give mercy to them, and grace, and hope, and love, right? And you're humble with them, it's the same way you're going to be with God, right? So learning how to interact with God will also learn how to teach us, it'll learn us, sorry, it'll teach us how to interact with people who are close to us. You get the idea? It's a really good image for us to think about. Because when we're humble with God, it breaks a lot of things down. It breaks a lot of walls down. And when we're humble with people, it breaks a lot of walls down. And uh, it's, it's difficult to be humble with people, isn't it? Because we're like, because we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to be humble. <laughs> you know but when we are it usually leads toward what we want very quickly as opposed to taking the long route of being proud and having to fight through and, rah, 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 and all of the stuff learning how to be humble with your family is a really powerful thing if you allow arrogance especially arrogance before god to enter your family it will always be something that holds your family back right it'll hold you back in relationship with each other A relationship with God, for sure. It's a spiritual law, right? It's a spiritual law. If you you read the Bible, it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So think about that. That's a law that can act in your family, is that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists those who are proud. And you don't want God to resist you, right? You want it to be open and filled with, with love and freedom. When pride and arrogance overtakes you, then offense is so easy, isn't it? When you have a day that you're feeling really proud and really arrogant, it's like everything can offend you. Right? You're like, ah, right? You know, everything, yeah, just somebody said this, or they and everything can be really offensive. But when you're being humble, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you. You could just like, it's okay, I love you. You ever have a day like that? You're like, wow, that was good. And then usually like the next day you're like, oh, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) It's on now. You know, it's we have those moments, don't we? I'm describing my life. It sounds like you identified, huh? (laughs) You know, we can be really easily offended before God too, can't we? We can be offended by church. We can be offended by people in church. We can be offended by people saying certain things or meaning, well, what did they mean by that? We can be really easily offended by things. And God wants to help us to learn how to not be easily offended by each other, by what God's trying to do in the world, you know? We can really carry ourselves like as if it's an offense against us. But when we make a choice to commit to God with all that we have, with humility, not just individually, but as a group, see, as a family, when you make a decision as a family, we are choosing to be humble before God, right? You're choosing a spiritual law before God that, in, that enables something in your family that's so beautiful, where together we are doing something that's right together, even if that's the only place you start. Together we are choosing together that we are going to be humble before God. It does something in your family that allows you to be on the same page spiritually, that allows you to move in the same direction spiritually, that opens up life and freedom for your family. And I want to encourage you to think about setting that as a law in your family. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For me and my house, we will be humble before God. It does something powerful in you and then those around you. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, chapter eleven, verse eighteen says, "So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine." There's that word again. Eleven, wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. You want to get some tats? There you go. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home. What does it say? Let's read that again. Teach them to your children. You want to know what God thinks about what you should educate your children? Teach them to your children. Teach God's laws to your children. It's very clear. Verse 19, say it with me. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, right? What games are you going to play while you're carpooling or while you're going on a road trip? Talk about them while you're on the road with your friends, when you're hanging out. Talk about God's laws. Talk about them when you're going to bed. Right? My wife always goes, hey, honey, one more thing I want to tell you. Like, ah! (laughs) Talk about, but we also talk about God. We talk about God's purposes. What's God doing? Talk about them when you're going to bed, right? And when you're getting up, when you get up in the morning, when mercies are renewed in the morning, talk together about God's purposes for your family. Hey, what's today about? I don't know, but God's got great things for us because we serve Him and we love Him. If you just begin there, it's going to transform your family. Talk about them together. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What do you have up on the walls in your home? What do you have up on your screen, on your phone? What's up on the TV, right? What's up? What's up in your home? What music are you listening to? What are you consuming as a family? What are the statements that are being said over your home? Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gate, right? It says, on your house and on your gates, so that as long, so that, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord has sworn to give you and your ancestors, right? Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in His ways and holding tightly to Him. I promise you, if you as a family or you as a people, learn how to just do a couple of things, right? Learn how to just do what is right. Learn what is right and make a decision to do what is right, right? Learn how to Be humble before God. What was the middle one? I just lost it. Learn how to love mercy, of course. Learn how to love mercy, how to do what is right, how to love mercy, how to walk humbly before God. It will transform your family. And we want to see your family transformed because we want to see a community transformed. We want to see a nation transformed. And the world is trying to work from the government, the outside in. The government is the outside, not the inside of America. The inside of America is the families of America. The inside of our community is not the government of this community. It's the families of this community. And God wants to work in the inside of you as a person and inside of you as a family to transform what God's dream and passion and power is for this region. He wants to see it take place, right? But it's got to start from within you. There's not something that you need from the outside of your family. You need something on the inside of your family to begin to see it serving and working in the right ways of God. But I will say this, to win in your family takes a great effort. Say that with me because I'm going to make you say it. It takes a great effort. It's not for the faint of heart. That's what we always say. Parenting is not for the faint of heart, right? It's for those who have the courage and the guts to say, let's do it, right? You can become a parent by accident, they say these days. Accident in quotes, right? But you know what? You have to make a decision. You become a parent when you make a decision that you're going to be one, right, in your heart. You don't even have to have kids, and you can say, you know what? I'm going to be a father to this community. I'm going to be an uncle, maybe. I'm going to pro- carry the responsibility for this friend group, for this people. To live by mercy and humility takes a great effort. Say a great effort. It's easy to just be judging, isn't it? It takes effort to be humble but the spirit of God and the spirit of love makes the impossible possible. Amen? Now, let's stand up together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for our community. And we're going to respond to this message because many of us need a family reboot, right? We need our mind rebooted about our families. We need new habits, new values, new purpose, new decisions. Our decisions need to be centered around God, not just centered around what came before. I just want to reread that first scripture. Joshua chapter 24 says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever, you get it? Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your parents did or didn't do. It doesn't matter where you came from. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived, right? Serve the Lord alone. For me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let's begin there today. I want to encourage you just, if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes with me. We're going to pray about our families. If right now, if you want to look at your family in your mind or however you want to do that, or you want to think about your family and you want to begin to pray for them, I want to encourage you to think about laying aside the things that were wrong, putting them aside forever, putting them away, laying them aside. Maybe there's been deep pain in your family. Maybe there's been adultery, abuse, Suffering, hurt, abandonment, abuse, rejection—real and deep issues. A good place to start is to put them away, and I want to encourage you to take those things like you have them in your hand. Once you take them, as if you hold them in your hand, and I want to encourage you to present them before God right now with me. Say, God, this is where we came from. This is what was in the past. This is what's happened before. But Lord, right now, I present it up to you, God. And I ask that as you died on the cross, that it would die with you. And that as you rose again from the dead, that my family would rise again into something new. My family would be able to let go of what was and instead to live in what is right. Maybe for the first time in our history or at least in my lifetime, Lord. My choice for me and my life and my home and who I am, we will serve you, Lord. And right now, I let go of what was. If you want to do that with me, just say it to God. Say, I let go of what was in the past. I let go of what came before and I put it away forever. It's not a part of me. Right now, I make a separation. Just do that. Why don't you just remove yourself from those things. Right now, I make a separation from the drug abuse. I make a separation from alcoholism. I make a separation from sexual sin. I make a separation from the words, painful words that were spoken. I make a separation from those things right now in the presence of God. And I make a declaration that over my home, we are separated from what was in the past. Maybe you just want to let it go. I don't know how you want to do it. Just let it go. Just let that stuff go and say it goes to Jesus and it dies at the cross. And today, we're made new. Today, I am made new. Today, my family receives a new hope. And if you're having trouble hoping, just say, I dare to hope. I dare to hope that God can do something new. I dare to hope right now. Say it out loud if you need to. Say, I dare to hope that God can do something new in my home, in my lifetime, in my life, in my family. I dare to hope, God, that you can do something in me. Lord, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to lead you through praying through a couple of things. First of all, we're going to pray about mercy and grace. If mercy and grace and forgiveness needs to happen, or especially if it's been difficult in your home, in your family, in your life, right now, if you need to, if you need to welcome in mercy and grace, why don't you do that right now? Say, God, we welcome in mercy and grace into our home right now, Lord Jesus. We welcome in mercy and grace and hope and love. I welcome it into my home, Lord. I welcome it into my life and into my family, Lord. Let your mercy and grace be new every morning, Lord, in my life. I want to renew mercy and grace. Maybe you just need to put your hand on your heart and say mercy and grace and hope and love. Lord, we just want your mercy and grace to be in our lives. We want your mercy and your your love and your hope. If you want love back in your family, declare love over your family. Say, I want love. I want love over my family. I want love to be the center of my family. I want grace and hope to be the center of my family. Lord Jesus, I want it to be the center of my life, the center of all that I am and all that I have, God. Lord, we want your mercy and your love in our lives. We want your grace and your hope and your mercy. Lord, I wanna be about mercy and grace. I wanna renew it every morning. If you wanna renew it every morning, say I wanna renew it every morning. I wanna renew it every morning. I want, to, renew it every morning. I want it to be new and made new. I want it to be new today. Okay, we're going to proclaim the power of the blood of Jesus Christ over our family. Let's do that. Let's declare that the power of God and the blood that was shed at the cross and the power that breaks what the enemy has brought into our home is going to declare it. Let's declare it. Let's say we proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ over our family, over our home, every over person, over every person in our home, or every person in our lives, or every person in our family, all of my friends. God, we declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We declare your power and your authority and your hope and your blessing in your life, Lord. We declare the blood of Jesus Christ that breaks every bond, that breaks every authority that's come against our lives, that breaks everything that's been a spiritual problem in our life, Lord. We declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ over my family and over my home. Lord, we declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is over my home and just remember, as you declare, just remember what happened as they painted the blood of, of the, the, the animal over their doorposts. And it meant that the spirit of death could not come in and rob from them, but they had to stay within and under the power of the blood of Jesus and stay within and under the promises of God. And we choose to stay within the promises of God right now. I choose over my home that we're going to stay under and within the promises of God. We stay. We declare it over our home. Can we declare it? So I declare it over my home that we're going to live under the power of the promises of the blood of Jesus Christ, that we're going to live under it, and we're going to operate under the rules and the rights of Jesus. We're going to live under the promises of God. And with that, we're going to submit to obedience. Maybe you need to do this as a family. If you're standing with your family, or you want to get with your family. If you want to do this, you don't have to. Maybe you need to go home and do this. But if you need to make a declaration that we're going to obey the laws of God in our home, if you need to make a declaration as a family or as a friend, maybe you want to grab a friend and say, we're going to obey. We're going to obey God in our lives. We're going to obey God. Let's make a decision today and say, God, we commit to you that we're going to learn your laws and we're going to obey your laws. We're going to do what is right. We know that grace and mercy covers over us, but we are going to obey what is right, Lord God. We're going to submit to you, Maybe you as a person need to submit. Maybe you've never actually submitted to God's rules and God's laws. God, we submit to obedience. We obey your rules, Lord. I make a commitment. You want to say to God, say, I make a commitment to obey. Under grace, but my heart is to obey. And I'm going to give a great effort. Let's say a great effort. It's not going to be a moment. It's going to be a great effort, God, to become obedient to your word.